Here in Korea, the Navy kill ratio was 12 to 1. We shot down 12 of their jets for every one of ours. Here in Vietnam, that ratio fell to 3 to 1. Our pilots become dependent upon missiles. They lost some of their dogfighting skills. Now, Top Gun was created to teach ACM, air combat maneuvering. Dogfighting. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen, and it's a podcast where we talk about movies, and specifically we talk about a movie that at least one person has not seen before. Uh, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number uh, f- episode 54. The movie this week is Top Gun, and joining me, someone who had never seen it before, Jay Dimes. What's going on, peoples? So, yeah, uh... How how is it you hadn't seen Top Gun before? Like, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, so okay. there's like this whole range of like Tom Cruise movies that I never watched because I, I just you know wasn't a big fan. So uh, I've never seen Days of Thunder. Um, I've never seen what is it Right Stuff. Okay, I haven't seen. I did see The Firm, and I saw A Few Good Men because I'm an Aaron Sorkin fan. Okay. I guess the, yeah, I mean, the biggest reason that it's surprising to me is because this movie was everywhere. It used to play on cable. Like, you you would, I'm surprised you didn't accidentally see it sometime just flipping through channels. Here's the thing I don't think I've ever come across the movie and turned the channel. That's interesting. So (laughs) you really just somehow managed to completely miss it. I managed not to see it. Um, I worked at Circuit City for years and it, it, it seems like a movie that we would have played in store. Right. Like just big screens. Nope. I it guess. I mean, the only reason I can think that that wouldn't be the case is it's old enough. Like, because it was 86, you know, and you were probably working at circuit city in the nineties. So it yeah. would have been like T2 would have been the big the one. 2000. No, yeah. I was, I was five when this movie came out. Yeah. Well, so I was about that five, six years old. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so first thing I want to ask is just overall impression. What do you think of it as a movie? I mean, um, take out take out the fact that you're not a big Tom, uh, Tom Cruise fan. You know, I think I think I would have enjoyed it more in the 90s. Like it wasn't a bad movie, mm-hmm. but like in comparison to like some of the other fighter movies that you see, it's a little dated. Okay. But it was entertaining. Like yeah. I enjoyed it. I, it it wasn't it wasn't a slog to get through the movie. Um, no, it's paced yeah. really well. I think. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a Scott. It's was is it Tony Scott? Yeah, Tony Scott. Yep. Yeah, you know Tony Scott always puts out a good product. That's the thing. He like action style action movies. He just he does does yeah. well. He paces things really well. I've always been a Tony Scott fan um, of a lot of his stuff. He did Days of Thunder as well. Um, was one of his, but um, yeah, it's. My only real complaints about the movie overall, uh, some people complain about it as being nothing more than a two-hour Navy recruitment video, which they're not wrong, um, <laughs> nope. to the point where the studio wanted to um, put some actual recruitment videos on the home video release you know, that would like pre-roll before the movie. And the ad agency came back and were like, the movie's already a, a recruitment video. It would be redundant for us to make another one. So they just didn't do it. Fair enough. You know what it reminds me of is one of my favorite TV shows was Jag. Oh yeah, 
um, which goes back to that whole a few good a few good men thing. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of similarities between Maverick and Harmon Rad. Yeah, I mean, you know, attorney the whole attorney thing out the window, but like kind of their careers as flight as fighter pilots um, is very similar to me. Yeah, I can see that. So the cast in this, so it's obviously carried by Tom Cruise. He's the the main. Um, and some really funny things with him. So Tom Cruise is a short little guy, right? He's like five yeah, seven. Yeah, yeah. Kelly McGillis, who plays Charlie, is five ten. Yeah. So they had to give him like boots with lifts in them. And what was the other one I read? Uh, the scene at the end where they're in the bar and she walks up to him after she plays the song in the jukebox. They had a right. trench dug for her, so that she could be like three inches down, so they would be the same height. I think I was reading something that said that they never that there are no photos of them standing next to each other no like in the movie or maybe even like actual press like you don't see them standing yeah side by. uh that wouldn't surprise me at all i mean in part i also read that they didn't get along very well um which i that's my one major complaint is she is fine as an actress but i didn't like her in this did much you at get all. the feeling that she was like British when you were watching this movie? <laughs> kind of. I had of? to go look. Yeah. I thought she was British. And then I went back and saw that she was American and I was like but like there were scenes where I felt like she was slipping into an accent like as if she was European but she's not. I could, I could see that. I don't know. I just she was so the producers wanted an unknown. This was um Jerry Bruckheimer and Dom Simpson produced this. And they're, okay. I mean, as far as like action movie producers go, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer is that on that Mount Rushmore. Right. Um, yeah. They wanted an unknown for her role. And um, so they got Kelly McGillis because uh, there were some other people I'd read, like uh, was it Ali Sheedy, um, Jodie Foster, Diane Lane, um, oh, Linda Diane Hamilton. Diane Lane would have been great. Diane Lane would have been great, especially mid 80s oh, Diane Lane or. Yeah. I think Ali Sheedy, I'm not sure um, if I if I could have seen her as that role, like with the authority, because this would have been coming off the back of uh, Breakfast Club. But um, no, yeah. Diane Lane, I would have I would have really liked. Daryl Hannah at the time would have been pretty good too. Um, you know, Daryl, I think Diane Lane might have worked better because you might not have had the height issue. That's one, yeah. Or you know they could cast somebody that's taller than. Same issue with um, who was the lady you just said? Um, Daryl Hannah. Hannah. Yeah, she's pretty tall too. Yeah, that's true. Well, and it's funny because Tom Cruise at five seven is probably the only actor in the movie that actually would have fit into a fighter jet, like normally. Because a lot of, uh, I know I remember when I was in high school and I started getting like recruitment stuff, and I was like, well, I don't want to go into the navy because they're not going to let me fly a plane. Like I'm too tall. You know. Right. Uh, which is what cracks me up at the end of the movie when his um, his Rio is uh, Tim Robbins. I don't know if you caught that or not. Merlin. You know, <laughs> that was a thing that I that struck me. I actually wrote a note about that because they took off and they never showed the Rio in the plane before takeoff. Yeah. You know, they're in flight before you realize, oh, he does have somebody in the second seat. Yep. And I didn't realize it was Tim Robbins. Yeah. Merlin was Tim Robbins and Tim Robbins is, you know, my height, he's six foot four. So like him, yeah, no, he's him folding into that jet wasn't going to happen. Um, 
there was a lot of people in this movie that I didn't realize it was them until after I went and looked at the IMDb. Yeah. And so said, oh, let's, let's see who some of those are. I'm, I'm curious because we, okay, I've, I've mentioned Tim Robbins now. So Michael Ironside is in it. Yep. Oh, and he plays, oh, uh, man. Heatherly. I don't care how many movies I see him in his voice, like him. He, he's not, he doesn't have a huge role. It's important, but he doesn't have that many lines. But man, every right. time he's talking as Jester in the plane, like he's his voice is just something else. Uh, my favorite was Clarence Gillard. Yes, who plays who plays one of the other students. Oh. I was like, oh, Texas Ranger out here. Yep, we uh we saw him in a movie um actually that Alex was on. He was in Die Hard. Oh, that's right. He's in the yeah, first Die Hard. The, he plays the uh the little hacker. Yeah, Theo. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm glad you mentioned him because he was one that I I wanted to mention. He, you know, again, not a not a large role, but he he has that one scene where uh, Maverick yells at him and he's he was rocking those uh, mirrored aviators. Hey, so somebody else that's in this movie that takes us back to like who might have been better um, as Charlie. What if they had just flipped Meg Ryan and Kelly McGillis? If if. McGillis had played Goose's wife and Meg Ryan had played Charlie. I don't hate that. I mean, a young Meg Ryan. They actually had good chemistry. Like that scene. Oh, yeah. At the, uh, at the bar. Um, Like, you know, you they looked at, you know, they had that look with one another. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, they would have worked. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that was the big thing is Cruz and McGillis had no chemistry whatsoever. I never I never bought for a second that she was falling for him. Uh, aside from the fact that just in terms of the the plot it moved way too quickly like i just never bought it so no i could have seen that and she i mean young meg ryan because you know she's yeah, i was like when when did charlie change her mind that she was going to go out on a date with him? yeah i know it was like she was like no and then all of a sudden he was having lunch at her house yeah pretty much i thought that was kind of quick so if you hadn't yeah. seen this movie before then you would not tie anthony edwards to goose the way that i do because I can't see Anthony Edwards in anything. I don't care if it's ER. We saw him in Zodiac a few uh, couple months back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of that. But to me, but he's goose. I know goose. Anthony Edwards from something else, and I, I, can't, I couldn't place what it was. Well, the big one for him was ER. He was on that for a long time. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. Oh, Revenge yeah, of the Nerds. The doctor with the glasses on ER, right? Yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Okay. Green. Um. Yeah, but, you know, I knew Goose was going to die, and I forgot. And then it, like, hit me all of a sudden. I was like, oh, Dude, I'm right. not going to lie. I started to tear up. Oh. Like, it still hits me, you know, 30-some-odd years on. Like, just the 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 weight of that scene. I actually captured a little audio from it because, you know, I, I will I'll rag on Tom Cruise um, quite a bit where you know he usually plays kind of the same character especially there was a really real long period of time where it felt like every every time he was in a movie he was just being tom cruise but there's a point where he's in the car with her it's after goose is gone and he goes to get out of the car and he just says i want him back and it's the way he says it it's just like gut punch like that honestly you could feel because that was a huge relationship in the movie is maverick and goose Right. Goose is like the only family Maverick's got left. Yeah. And that yeah. that just hit me. I was like, okay, I'm not going to cry. I'm not. And I had to like calm myself down, but I uh I thought they gave him a terrible death. Um 
I feel like although it very realistic could happen, I feel like in this kind of movie, like to get crushed by your um, by your your canopy you mm-hmm. know, the, uh, during the ejection, I thought they could have gave him something a little better. Well, like so it's funny you say that because one of the trivia pieces uh, that I read was um, at the beginning of the movie Cougar the um, when they're when he's having his meltdown and they have to bring yeah. him in. He was supposed to crash at the beginning of the movie. That's actually how it was originally written, that Cougar didn't make it, and that's how Maverick got into Top Gun. He didn't land and then quit. And the Navy okay. stepped in and were like, uh-uh, no. Um, because they didn't want it to show how dangerous that could be um, in that aspect of it. So I think, because you're going to have, there's going to be a death somewhere in this. And you kind of, yeah, like... They, they showed a guy get blown up by a missile, like... Oh, you're talking about when the 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 MIGs or the other F-14? The F-14, they got hit. Yeah, well, they got hit, but they lived. Yeah, that's true. Because they just they had their engine hit and they went down. But it, I think because okay, so at this point we know, like in 2020, it's tropey for the the super fun sidekick character to die. Yeah. Um, but Goose is kind of the template for that. He's sort of um at least in my mind, really, really yeah. helped kind of set that. I can see that. And so it's going to happen. You're going to lose Goose um, because they need some sort of a turmoil for Maverick to go through. And that's really, that's about it, right? That's all you can take from him. I didn't have a problem with that as, uh, as something because if you think about it, in the story of Maverick, his father, uh, he doesn't know what happened to his father. All he knows is that he supposedly screwed up. So now Maverick, who has his best friend is his Rio, is like his family, dies in this horrible way that Maverick had no control over, right? It was a, it was a mistake that happened. So now, like, you're compounding what he's already going through dealing with the stuff with his dad and the way that he flies, and now he lost his best friend in what is something that he couldn't control inside the fighter plane. So for me, that worked. It's rough, and yeah. it, it's it's terrible to lose a character like Goose because he really is kind of the heart and soul. But I don't know. For me, that that works a lot better. But I can see where what you're saying, and it is it's kind of one of those where it's like it happens so quickly, right? They're in the flat spin, they're getting ready, they eject, and you don't even really realize that, like as hard as he hits the canopy, it's the shot right after that where he where the um, parachute is going down. It's just a limp body hitting the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, and then when they're pulling him out into the rescue helicopter, and he's just hanging there, like that's what really hits you, and that's when you realize, yeah. oh, okay, um, yep, he's yeah. he's he's not gonna make it. Yeah, and so, so my other thing with in, in this that point in the movie kind of kind of changes some things for me. I feel like after that scene is kind of where the movie starts to dip, like. Like they rush too far to the to get to the end, and there's a lot of like time gaps and little things where you're like, well, how how far away? Like how long has it been? Right. So you know, Goose dies. Uh, Maverick takes the stuff to his widow, but we have no real idea how much how time. Long yeah. Takes. Yeah. Like when did that happen? Mm-hmm. And and then. He quits without ever saying he quit. Yeah. 
So, so you just get that 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 scene where the guy's calling Charlie, saying that he quit. Which I also wonder, like, how did he know to call Charlie? I'm not sure that he called Charlie. I'm not sure they never really say who he called. I guess you can kind of infer that it was her, but he well, just that's he, true. He just you calls make that somebody because she's the one that shows up. So the yeah. next scene that you get is her showing up to that bar. But you're right. Um, we don't. I guess we don't know exactly who he called. But I, I kind of feel like. Maybe if they had made the movie two hours and ten minutes, um, like they could have flushed some of that out. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because you know the movie is about an hour, hour forty-five, hour fifty, it's an hour forty-seven minutes. Yeah, and the um, the love scene and the scene in the elevator were added after the fact, so it was originally going to be probably oh. like an hour and a half. And that was from a test screening. They did a test screening, and, and people were saying they wanted a love scene, so they tacked those on. That's actually the reason that the, the scene is shot in shadow, and then the scene in the elevator, she's wearing a hat, was because it was after they had wrapped, she had dyed her hair for another role, and Tom Cruise's hair was actually longer, so they, they put her in a hat, and then they shot everything in silhouette for the love scene. Um, and huh. for me, like that feels tacked on when I watch it now. Um, it just feels out of place, like... Again, it kind of plays into that, you know, no chemistry between the two of them, forced romance type of thing. Yeah, the the love scene didn't seem out of the ordinary to me, but I did feel like this the elevator scene was a little awkward. Yeah, it kind of was. Um, and huh. that's yeah. interesting. So, yeah, um, I, you know. It's one of those things. We have a couple other actors. So Val Kilmer, this is one of the roles he's most well-known for, and it's funny because he didn't want to do it. Um, he he was contractually obligated to be in the movie. I think from, I want to say it was Top Secret maybe, is what he had done before this. But um, you know now everybody knows him from this movie. Uh, and he really doesn't have that big a role in this either. It's no. a really almost all Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis. Um, he... I... I was going back to think about how many movies I've watched with Val Kilmer in it. Um, he's very like he doesn't have any emotion. He can play without emotion, so this he definitely didn't. But it's sort of that's who he's supposed to you be. Thought right? he had a lot of emotion in this. No, no, no. In this, he didn't. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. He definitely didn't in this, but that's that's who he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the Iceman. But he yeah. can. I mean, I thought he had some emotion. I thought he was good in Willow. Um, it's been a long time since I watched Willow. He definitely played, when he did Batman Forever, he played that very stoic. That that was a, yeah. a very wooden performance. But top, uh, his turn as Doc Holliday in Tombstone, he's brilliant in that. And yeah, it's... That's that's one. He's good in Heat too, so I yeah know, I always have to I have to come back to that. But I think the like the the last couple things that I had seen him in, I saw him in The Saint, and I like The Saint, but mm-hmm. he's he doesn't have a lot of emotion. In no, he, he doesn't. In really, that. Um, I can't remember the the woman the woman lead's name in that. Um, oh, uh, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue really kind of carries that movie. Mm-hmm. And he's 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 good in, in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yes, that was the one with, I wanted to mention. Um, with Downey, Robert yeah, Downey Jr. But, he, but uh, Robert Downey Jr. again carries that. Yeah, he but was he's... also I. He was in a movie called Spartan, which I don't think a lot of people watch. Oh, that was a good one. But but it's a David Mamet movie with mm-hmm. uh, Derek Luke and William H Macy. 
Yeah, I haven't. And, uh, Christian Bell shows up for just a little bit, and he's pretty good in that. Yeah, uh, and I, but I think that role allows him to be stoic. It doesn't yeah. require a lot of emotion out of him. But yeah, I don't know. Like I think they could have recasted Val Kilmer's role and Kelly McGillis' role, maybe shown up with a uh, with a lot of uh, a better movie. Deanna's yeah. telling me that. Uh, He's not supposed to have any emotion. He's he's Iceman. Yeah. I just I, I think he's too stoic for the part. Could be. And you know, maybe that's some of him not wanting to be there, right? He didn't yeah, really I, want to do the movie. Yeah, I feel like you can play like that that sterile stoic Iceman, but like give a little something extra to the performance in your performance of it. Like I think had he been had he played the entire movie the way he was for the final dogfight, like the way the way his voice sounds in that final dogfight, if he had done the whole movie sort of in that space, I think it maybe falls a little more into what you're talking about. Yeah, but he couldn't have been Iceman if he had done the whole movie That's in true. that space because he was not Iceman in no, he that scene. I w- nobody would be. Are you kidding? No, me? no, no. He was uh, he was not filling the situation. Um, we didn't talk about Tom Skerritt as Viper. Um, I loved, I loved him. So yeah, this was another case where this is the movie that, uh, the role that I think of when, when someone says Tom Skerritt, I immediately go to Viper, you know? And, and now as I've gotten older and watched more movies, I could say, you know, alien as well, but I saw this first. Um, He, he was in something else that I always remember him, in, but he's also one of those actors that I feel like can pop up in a movie and just give you a lot without actually having to say a lot mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, yeah, I really liked him. Uh, I think he was one of the best parts. Yeah, he was of... great. Um... Oh, it's Madam Secretary. That's what I. Oh, that's, okay. That's what I'm thinking of. He plays um, the the husband's dad in the movie, and he was really good in that role. That was the last thing I saw him. And I did just see, I'm sorry, I did just see in the chat room, um, it's way past my bedtime, says, finally, someone who agrees with me about Tom Cruise. Uh, I want to get back to that because I have some things to say about that. But go ahead with what you were saying first. Oh, no, I was just going to say he kind of brings a, a lot of what you got in Top Gun to that role. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just he, he's a person who can give you a lot of feeling in just his mannerism on the screen. Yes, that's what I liked about him in uh, in Alien as well. He can do a yeah. lot with very little. It's been a um, long time since I watched Alien, but yeah, I like that. So, the Tom Cruise thing. The first movie I saw Tom Cruise in where I didn't think he was playing Tom Cruise was the first time I saw The Last Samurai. And that was where I was like, holy crap, he's playing at least somewhat different. Um, oh. In, uh... And I haven't seen that in a while, and I know it's got a lot of kind of the white savior thing. Um that goes on it, but that also has Ken Watanabe in it, and that was the first movie I'd ever seen him in, and he was phenomenal. But that was—I've never watched that movie. It's not a bad movie, and it's the first—it was the first time I can I can distinctly remember watching something and being like, "That's Tom Cruise, but he's not playing Tom Cruise." Like I, because that came out after you know the first I think two Mission Impossible films. It came out after you know all all the stuff he did in the '90s where. He's basically just playing himself every single time yeah. with, you know, the firm and a few good men and all that. What about Eyes Wide Shut? Do you think he was playing himself in that? 
Um, I actually haven't seen that one. That's the one Kubrick film I have not seen. I would say Eyes Wide Shut and Interview with the Vampire are two movies where I don't feel like Tom Cruise is being Tom Cruise. That's fair. Interview with the Vampire, as Lestat, he's definitely um, going off type a little. Um, and then he's done, you know, more, I, I guess more recently, he's done, I feel like, more more non-Tom Cruise style movies. But yeah, I think he was definitely going with an archetype at the beginning oh, of his career. Absolutely. And he sprints in every movie. Every movie he does, yeah. he has to run at some point, yeah. like just full out sprint. And I have a friend who hates that I bring this up because she loves Tom Cruise, but especially early on, got a tooth right in the middle of his head. His teeth are like oh, yeah, set yeah, up. Yeah. So if you go, you can draw a line from his nose straight down into a tooth. And it once you see it, you don't unsee it ever. Watching this movie last night, and I'm just like, there's that tooth again. It's just right dead center <laughs> in his face. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think he's gotten that fixed. I think so. I would hope so. Um, he's got enough money for it. He was really good in Lions, uh, Lions for Lambs. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. That one I haven't. He's he's good in that movie. He doesn't have a huge part in it, but he's good. He's really good in it. I don't dislike Tom Cruise. Um, I mean, I love the Mission Impossible films. They're great action films. I like them all except for the first one. I've See, actually been rewatching them all. I like the first the first one. I don't like it. I like the first one better than I like the second, and that's odd because I normally love John Woo films so much, but it was like Mission Impossible Two was like John Woo light. Like it wasn't quite a Mission Impossible movie and it wasn't quite a full on John John Woo. Yeah. It it just it didn't quite like it it was like a six and a half on both those scales. I you know, I think I like the second one because of Thandy Newton. That's Um, fair. I'm trying to think. Is it my favorite of the series? Mm. It might be. I it still, might be my favorite of the series. I think I need to see Fallout is the only one Fallout I haven't is seen. really good. It's a little too long, but it's really good. But oh, Rogue Nation, um, I really enjoyed. Um, and what was the other one? Um, Rogue Nation is the one I just watched. I watched that Friday. Rogue Nation. So tomorrow I'll probably watch. What was the uh, fourth one? Or what was was Rogue Nation the one where they go to the Burj Khalifa? Yes, the fourth one is Ghost Protocol. Ghost That's Protocol was with, good too. Um, it was pretty good. Um, a lot of people in it. It was almost like they tried. To, they had to share too much screen time in that movie. But that was my complaint with two. Was two was too much of Ethan Hunt and not enough of the team. And when I think of Mission Impossible, I think of a team of people. So. Mission Impossible 1, he doesn't have Ving Rhames and I can't remember the other guy's name. Well, he, in get, the, in, he has Ving Rhames in the first one. Does he? Yeah, he because the first movie, his whole team gets killed in, in their first op, and then he recruits Ving Rhames, Jean Reno, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, somebody else, I think. Um, the third one is my favorite. I've I've decided the third one is my favorite. That is that is a great one. That's J.J. Abrams. So and you know what? There's a lot of people in that movie. In some way, they the some kind of way they manage to give everybody. Yeah, because you get Philip Seymour Hoffman, you get Fishburne. Man, Philip Seymour um, Hoffman is so Maggie good in Q. it. Yeah, yeah, and Hoffman was great. 
Yeah, he was. He's he is my favorite of the Mission Impossible villains by far, because I mean he just he's that good. Wait till you see the last one. All right, you might change your mind. Okay, I'd be interested to see. I I will I will report back once I see it. I think I I have it. I just haven't watched it yet. Oh. And Kit London brings up Minority Report as a good Tom Cruise movie. That was a good one. I I enjoyed Minority Report. I don't have any problems with it. You know, that's I only watched it the one time. I never rewatched it. I do really love him in Collateral. That's a that's a good one, and that so we watched um, Miami Vice for this show, and oh. that's Michael Mann as well. And I tell you Vice what, oh, we we may not be friends anymore. I don't know. I did I, I did like not Miami like Vice? it. Here's right, so let let me okay let me preface this by saying, I think Miami Vice is a good movie. I don't think it's Miami Vice. Like that, if okay, you, yes. If, if, if you watch that movie expecting to get something akin to the show, I don't think that's what it is. You're right. You're you're 100 percent right, and that's why because I've only seen it the one time. I had never seen it before. And but I do think go watch the unrated. I think there's an unrated version or a director's cut of that movie. You know, okay. Michael Mann tends to be long-winded. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, don't I know so, it? So, <laughs> but I think I think yeah, I really like that movie. I, there's stuff in there I can do without, but. Right. But overall, I think it's a really good. Movie. Yeah, I did not enjoy it. I'm willing to give it another chance at, with like the, the a more proper mindset of like not going into it expecting Miami Vice because I did. It's Michael Mann directing a Miami Vice film. Like I'm, I'm expecting something along those lines. I think he needed somebody that was more lighthearted to play Colin Farrell's role. Yeah, one of them. I mean, one of the two of them needs to be a little more lighthearted. Like Jamie well, Foxx. Let Jamie Foxx be funny. Right. Like, he's capable of it. But they didn't let him right, do that. Yeah, and Colin Farrell. Honestly, Colin Farrell can do that too. Yeah. But at that point in his career, he wasn't doing it. So yeah. I don't know. Um, another um, couple last couple of things on cast I want to talk about with this movie. Coming back to Top Gun now is um, Slider was played by Rick Rosovich. Um, we saw him a few weeks ago in The Terminator. He had a very small role in that. There was a fun story. He played the boyfriend of um, Linda Hamilton's roommate. He's barely in the movie, but it was one of those where I didn't know it until I saw it this time, and it was kind of like that's Slider. Um, Terminator is a good movie, and I've only ever watched it once. I oh, never man, go back. So to good. It. I always um, go back to the second one, not the first one. Yeah, and it's very different. I mean, we talked about it on the show. It's a it's a straight up horror movie. It's a slasher film more than an action film. You're right. You're right. Um, but there was a funny story with Rick Rosovich. He got kicked off the ship they were on uh, for filming Top Gun because they put him in a bunk. He went to sleep in that bunk. He didn't want to stay there because it was too close to the reactor on the ship. So he he moved to a different bunk, and the officer whose bunk he was sleeping in wanted him to move, and he mouthed off to him. So he got called into the captain's office, and the captain's like, yeah, you were disrespectful to my people. Get off the ship. So I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I want it to be. <laughs> I, want, I want that story to be real. Oh, man. And then the um, – oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, <laughs> that would be an interesting story. That seems like a story that could get you in a lot. Yeah, it really does. I guess, you know, back then with, you know, no social media, nobody – you know, immediately sending information right. probably wouldn't have gotten out. Um, you do that today, it becomes a oh, becomes an issue. Huge. So funny enough, he was in a show called Pacific Blue. Oh, wow. I forgot he was in that. 
And now I'm trying to picture again what he looks like because I watched Pacific Blue. Well, Pac Blue was like late '90s, so he would have been probably about 10, 10, 12 years older. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Lieutenant Anthony Palmero. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I remember him. Um, that was a good show. I never really watched it. I I saw a lot of um, promos for it, and I think I caught an episode or two, but it just wasn't on my radar at the time because that would have been late '90s. So I was watching a lot of X Files and The Pretender and stuff like that at that point. There's a lot of people on that show that can that continued to work that have popped up in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, maybe one to go check out again. Um, yeah. So another small role was um, James Tolkien as Stinger, the the captain or the commanding officer on the the aircraft carrier. James Tolkien, better known as the principal in Back to the Future, um, who calls everybody a slacker, and. You know, first of all, the man's never had hair, like ever. He's been bald in anything I've ever seen him in. Um, but he, the scene where he's chewing out Maverick at the beginning of the movie, cracks me up because I know James Tolkien's not that tall, right? But he looks so much shorter than five seven Tom Cruise. I'm like, how many apple boxes do they have him standing on for this scene? And and Anthony Edwards is still like half a head taller than him, so. I'm like, right, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so I had to look it up and see. And Tolkien's like six, five six, so he's not that much shorter than him. But they were really making. They were really make making it look, it look that way. Um, and he's yeah. just great. He was. I like. I mean, I liked him in Masters of the Universe. Right. He, he always plays kind of that same, same type of character. He's very loud, um, and very brash. But I just, I. He's one of those character actors that pops up that I liked. And I did not know until this viewing of it. Um, and it's literally like a two-scene role. Adrian Pazdar is in this film. Yeah, so I saw that, and I could, I don't remember seeing him. He was, there was one shot um, where he's talking to, um, I think it's Sundown, Clarence Gilliard, um, in one of the briefings about Maverick and if he's going to be there or not. And it's like something about he quit or I don't know what, but... I, I, that's when I realized, I'm like, holy crap, is that Adrian Pazdar? Because it looked like him, but, you know, babyface him. And, uh, and sure enough, it was. He, he was Chipper was his character's name. Uh, but he's, oh. he shows up there, and then he's, like, in one other shot in the movie, and that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, yeah, I always like Adrian Pazdar. Oh, yeah. Heroes. Yep, but I, uh, that's what I think of him in, is heroes. Um. So this, so you mentioned earlier about kind of the dog fighting and and that as as feeling a little dated. Yeah, and I get what you're saying there, but if you look, if you think of the movie through the lens of 1986, like this was groundbreaking in terms of the the types oh, of shots sure. they could get. For sure, they um they convinced the people uh the the manufacturers of that jet to put a camera mount in the cockpit so they could get those POV shots. Um. And they worked, I mean, obviously they worked really closely with the Navy. They had a ton of naval pilots um, that did all the, the stunt work and everything. Groundbreaking in terms of like dogfighting um, and just aerial combat uh, type filming. And I really think the cinematography looks great still. Like just the way, the, the angles that they were able to get and how much they could squeeze out of because the, the Navy would only let them shoot two missiles firing. So all the missile fires in this movie, and they're pretty much all in that final scene. Um, they just shot the two missiles firing from like four or five different angles each, so they had plenty of coverage. They're like, oh, if we're only getting two shots at this. We're going to cover the hell out of it. 
but makes sense. It looked like all of it looked great. Um, it re- you really got a feel for kind of the speed that they were moving at, in my opinion. Um, it's been obviously filming techniques have gotten better, and the, the equipment that they can use has gotten better and more mobile. Um, but it's kind of crazy to think that this movie came out 34 years ago and it still looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, time, you know, considering the time, it's great. And I think if I had seen it in 86, I would have probably been blown away. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different watch. Oh, totally. Now, but you yeah, know, no, 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 it was good. I mean, and it's intense too. Like age, age aside, like you feel the tension when you're watching these guys in these dogfights. Yeah, you, you really and you, do. And you also feel the speed, like how fast these jets are going. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was, was getting really good shots of them in the cockpit where they were constantly looking around. It wasn't just straight on. Like they're looking forward out the front of the cockpit. You constantly got, you know, goose or Merlin or whoever looking around, checking behind them, checking their sides. And that kind of helped to create that feeling of speed and tension because they're, yeah. they're never quite sure what's going on. Um, I did like this. The real top gun school imposes a $5 fine to any staff member that quotes the movie. <laughs> they should just have like a jar somewhere. Um, so we've made it this far and we haven't mentioned there's a sequel um, coming out this yeah. year or and, uh, supposedly yeah, this year. You said that in the chat. Yeah. It's supposed to come out in June. I actually looked while I was watching the movie to see if that movie had gotten pushed back, but I guess because it's due to come out in June. Yeah. They haven't messed with the the release date. It looks good. One of the things that stuck out to me about the new movie, you know, there was a lot of flack that Tom Cruise got for having that. I think it was was the Japanese flag or the Chinese flag on his. Oh, on his his fighter jacket in the in the preview. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I noticed in the original movie he has that same flag on his on his jacket. Yeah, and I'm not sure I mean they never give any backstory to it, but it probably was something that he got from his dad, um, or from his dad's effects, would be my guess. Because yeah. he would have been in Korea. Would have been in the Korean War, because that's when he went down. Yeah, maybe you're right. That is I so, think that is the flag. I it, think it's a Korean flag. I think it yeah. Um I did find it interesting that they never um, they never said outright like who the enemy was in this or um, mm-hmm. where the MIGs came from. They were just MIGs, and that was it. Um, and there were there was just MIG uh, MIG jets over the Indian Ocean, so they had uh, they could kind of hedge their bets a little bit. Yeah, I was reading something that where they said that the Navy intentionally didn't want to anger any any nations. Yeah, and by... it makes sense portraying them as the adversaries, so you know they they were yeah and uh, i so i remember seeing this um i probably six or seven years old is you know i saw it on home video not in the theater and the you know we're talking about the dog fighting and all that and that was the kind of thing where like that was what we would do on the playground is like we wanted to be top gun uh so much and then there was the the nes game that came out that was Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I maybe finished. Uh, I don't think I ever actually finished the first level because I could never land on the damn aircraft carrier afterwards. It was so hard. 
I like that part of the movie that they that they did that they showed like really how they trap. Mm-hmm. You know, like catching that wire. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's crazy too at the beginning of the movie when he lands and then takes right back off. Like, you know that that whole thing. He's got to go get Cougar, but yeah, yeah, I I liked the the whole opening of the movie and showing just showing the the jets taking off and kind of all of that was uh, yeah. really interesting. That's kind of uh, sort of a Tony Scott thing. Um, and we talked a little bit about him earlier, but you know, mentioning Tony Scott. Now, first of all, sadly he passed away in 2012 um, at 68. But you look at his uh, his filmography on IMDb he only had he has 29 directing credits and if you take off um I didn't care much for the taking of Pelham 123 or Unstoppable which oh oh come on I'll give you Pelham 123 but Unstoppable you didn't like Unstoppable Uh, I didn't it's not that I didn't like it but I maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset when I saw it it's been a while um I watched that not too long ago for like the second or third time but you look at some of his other stuff, like Deja Vu, Domino, Man on Fire is phenomenal. I love Man on Fire. He did a lot of good work with Denzel. He did. Um, he um, really did. I was, I was listening to an interview with Bill Simmons not too long ago, and they were comparing Denzel's list of Spike Lee movies against his Tony Scott movie. Ooh. And if you really think about it, I mean, a lot of Denzel's work has either been Tony Scott or Spike. When you think about the movies that you yeah. think about Denzel for. Yeah. Also, Plus True Romance. The Tarantino-written film. Yep, True Romance. Uh, I really love that movie. Crimson Tide. I really like Crimson Tide if you want another military-based movie. Um, yeah. I love Enemy of the State. I nobody knew who the NSA was. Nope, nobody knew who the NSA was until that movie came out. That was prophetic, wasn't it? Um, yeah, but I think also, I was a freshman in college, senior in high school, when that came out. Uh, yeah, probably ninety-eight. So yeah, um, yeah. And the thing with Enemy of the State that I like a lot is I think it's one of the better, at least up until probably I don't know a few years after that, Will Smith movies because he's that's yeah. another one where he's not playing Will Smith. Like he has a little bit of that swagger kind of early on, yeah. but when the movie flips, he he's really acting, and I love I like that. Um, you know what else about that movie? I think it's it's probably the movie that put Regina King back in the mainstream. Oh yeah, oh, Regina King. Yeah, I mean nobody ever seems to remember her on two two seven. People think like what was it? I think she was in Boys in the Hood. Yeah, she was in Poetic Justice. Oh, she was in, that's like, right. And high learning. She was, I think she was in all of Singleton's movies. Um, See, I was, then, whenever I think of Regina King, I think of either Enemy of the State or The Boondocks. Yeah, all right. Hey, two good things. Yeah. Two, two um, good things. But I love Enemy of the State. The Last Boy Scout was a was a Tony Scott. We talked about True Romance. Um, I love that. Movie. I mentioned Daisy. I just bought The Last Boy Scout not too long ago. Oh, yeah? yeah. Um, Days of Thunder. Beverly Hills Cop 2 was his. Um, Top Gun was kind of one of his first major movies. He had done some shorts, and he did a movie called The Hunger, but this was sort of his first like big-time thing. And there's a, there's a story. And this is another one, just like the Rick Rossovich. I want this story to be true. He was, when they were filming the opening stuff, he wanted the, 
everything to be um, with like the sun going down behind it while they're doing all the jet stuff. And the boat, um, oh, hey, we're getting raided. Hey, thanks, guys. Raided by night attack. Um, and uh, he wanted the sun in the background. Well, the, the ship had changed course. So he went to the captain's like, hey, um, can we turn back so I can get the sun in the right spot? And the captain's like, it cost $25,000 to turn this ship. So the story is that he wrote a $25,000 check and gave it to him to get the ship turned so he could shoot another five, you know, five minutes worth of stuff. And that, uh, according to him later on that check bounced. I don't know if that's true or not, but I want it to be true so much to just be like, it costs how much? Hang on. Let me write you a check here. Turn the ship. I feel like, is there a point where Tony Scott doesn't have $25,000? I don't know because this would have been 86. If nothing else, he could have borrowed it from his brother. Like Ridley would have already had that kind of money by then. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm looking at Tony's Tony's list of films. He doesn't have any misses. He really, I mean, he, really. There are those movies from 2013 that came out after he died that I'm not very familiar with. I don't well, think I watched any. So of there's those. His, there's some stuff that he was producer on. Um. The Labyrinth miniseries. Um. Stoker, Killing Lincoln, that that, but uh, his numbers directors. My favorite shows. Yeah, oh yeah, he did an episode of Numbers. That's right. But like movie wise, no, him and him and his brother were the executive producers for Numbers. Oh, they were. That oh man, you know it's. I that was a show that I enjoyed, but for whatever reason, like left my brain. Um, not too long after, I need to rewatch oh, that, that one. Great show. But he's got some like some underrated movies and we talked about enemy of the state, but, uh, last boy scout and true romance are good. Domino Domino is seriously underrated. Like that movie showed me that Kira Knightley can act. Yeah. And not just be a pretty Uh, face. Spy game is one of my favorite movies. Mm -hmm. That's one I haven't seen in a long time. That was, um, yeah, that's Redford and, uh, um, yeah. Redford moving the chess pieces. Yep. It's probably a very underrated Brad Pitt movie. I don't think anybody ever talks about Spy Game as being a Brad Pitt vehicle, even though you know he's a major component. Right, it is definitely. Um, Deja Vu was pretty good too. Yeah, um, little science fictiony. Well, like we talked about, you know, I mean, him and Denzel working together. Yeah. I mean, um, you can't go wrong there. I can't remember the woman's name. That's the, that's the the female lead in Deja Vu. Paula Patton. That's who it is. Paula yeah, because it had um, Paula Patton, Val Kilmer's in that. Jim Caviezel's in that, too. I forget that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Val, I forgot Val Kilmer was in Yeah, I, I always enjoyed Tony Scott's movies because he he knew what he wanted to do. like, And he had – so he had that kind of quick edit uh, style that real um, – his action could get really frenetic. Like, I remember that yeah. in, uh, in a lot of stuff. But it works so well. He has a very – because he could continue, like, Michael Bay does the same thing. But Michael Bay got to a point where he, he almost became a parody of himself with that style. Like, there, it's one thing to have uh, good framing and quick editing. But when you have no idea where anything is in relation to each other, it's hard. Like, that was my problem with anything after the first Transformers movie, and really even in the first Transformers movie. You, know, you, you just bring, don't know where anything you is. You bring up a really good point. Can you imagine if... Tony Scott had directed the Transformers movie. 
I kind of want to see that because you would get that same pacing, but you would get a lot. Uh, the humor wouldn't be quite as crass. It would be, but it wouldn't be like so on the nose. But you would, you would have an idea of where things are, right? You would know kind of what's going on. I guess it would be a better way to put the, it. I think the difference that you run into is that Tony Scott tended to work with really good actors. Yes. And I think Michael Bay tends to work with unknown actors that he can push around. Yeah, because and, if you think of, like, if you watch movies where Michael Bay has with like good actors in them mm-hmm. they tend to stay somewhat on track a little bit like the bad boys movies he did too yep those stay on track although i i i heard a funny story about will smith it was either will or martin lawrence about punching michael bay in the face because <laughs> of how he talked to them um and i guess they nipped that right on in the bud um but yeah i don't i don't I think that's part of his problem is that like he doesn't have a cast that holds him accountable. That's a good point because if you get Michael Bay, like The Rock, for instance, he's got Sean Connery, Nick Cage, Ed Harris. Great, you look at um, The Island has Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson, mm. Michael Clark Duncan. That's an underrated Michael Bay movie. That's actually pretty it is. good. It's very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tony Scott I like definitely. I new movie on Netflix. I didn't. Uh, Six Underground? I haven't seen that yeah, yet. That's pretty good. It's I Michael Bay. It's yeah. But. You know, that's the thing is Tony Scott, he did seem to always, and I'm sure it did not hurt him at all to be Ridley Scott's brother. Um, but He's the younger brother too, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because he was 68 when he passed, uh, born 1944. Yeah. But, yeah, you look at, I mean, the fan. He got to work with De Niro and Wesley Snipes before Wesley that's Snipes a, stopped paying that's taxes. A, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Two he seemed. To... That I don't know that I would always have pegged being together in in a movie, hmm. but it worked. It is interesting to look at Tony Scott's list of movies versus his brother. Yeah, because Ridley, Tony Scott is more of like a flat curve of like, there's not a lot of variation between how good his movies are. They're they're yeah. all kind of within a standard deviation, and you look at Ridley Scott's movies. And he'll have some, I mean, Alien and and stuff like that is way up here. And then he'll have some real stinkers or more so than his brother did anyway. In yeah. my opinion, like, and I, I'm a Ridley Scott fan. I love his movies for the most part, but there's a few of them that are not good. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, Exodus Gods and Kings and Kingdom of Heaven, I think are are like his two, his two really bad movies. The rest of them, eh. And Kingdom of Heaven, from what I hear, if you see the director's cut... The director's cut is much better. Is Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's, it's long as hell. It's much better. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I haven't seen it yet, is I know how long it is. and The gotta... director's cut is 194 minutes. Oh, I like a long movie, but damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do give you uh, Rosario Dawson and Angelina Jolie. That... That can kind of help ease the time. That definitely does. But yeah, I mean, you look at like, you know, Ridley's got 53 directing credits and um, that counts a few that are not out yet, like Gladiator 2. But, you know, I I did not see Alien Covenant. I heard it was not great. Um, Covenant, that's the most recent one, right? Yes. 
I liked it. Um, I own that one. I didn't hate. I didn't hate Prometheus. I thought that was fine. Um, I think it would have been better served to not mention that it was part of the alien universe ahead of time and let that sort of be like the oh hey this this takes place in the universe of Alien. Um, yeah. Let people figure that out. I, but like, I think those movies get a bad rap because what people have in their head is the original Alien trilogy, right? And what he's tried to go and do now is so that he can flesh out a universe. He's got to tell a pre-story. Yeah. And I like the pre-story. I mean, I think it's good. But it's different than what we got in the Alien movies. It is. Um, Robin Hood wasn't great. His Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. It wasn't bad, bad. but it wasn't a It's Gladiator with the Buck. It is. But, you know, that was he was coming off of American Gangster, which I love. That's a super underrated, in my opinion. And Body of Lies. And then he does Robin Hood. And so. Body of Lies, I'm I'm so, so on. But I love American Gangster. American Gangster, just, man. You know, again, Denzel, being Denzel, like, that dude can't do wrong. He just, (laughs) charisma. And then you had. uh, um, what Common was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, Common. Idris Elba's in it. Idris Elba, who another one of those that just like it's charisma pouring out of his charisma, and then uh, Chuetel Ejiofor. I'm never gonna pronounce never his name right, name right. Nope. <laughs> but Can't he's he's another one of those. I will watch in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruby D, you get you get yep. a, you get one of Ruby D's last performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Clarence Williams the third in the very beginning. Oh, that's right. Of the movie, I gotta watch that movie again. It's good. It's good. Um, it's it kind of Strickland, who's a, normally a television actress, pops up as as uh, Russell Crowe's lawyer. Oh right, in the movie. So kind of yeah, it's and, and kind of coming back to Top Gun, because um, we went down down a bit of a rabbit hole there. But uh, <laughs> the other thing, and we we were, um, I was talking with the chat room before we got started, is the music in this movie. Oh, the music is great. Oh, it's it is like your quintessential 80s music soundtrack and it's i love it like what i wonder is is this a movie where the like if you go buy the soundtrack do you get the actual movie music from the movie or is this an instance where the music just shows up in the movie and not actually on? so yes and no originally <laughs> when the soundtrack was released all it had was the original music in the movie so it did not have um Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay. It did not have the Righteous Brothers. It did not have Jerry Lee Lewis. But it did have Danger Zone because that was written for the movie. It did have all of that. Um, they subsequently re-released the soundtrack to include those other songs because they were prominent in the movie. Um, but I I loved the hell out of the music in this movie. It just it gets you going. Um, and I'm trying to find where the soundtrack listing is. Yeah, I've got it pulled up. They had, uh, and there was a trivia piece. Kenny Loggins was not the first choice to do Danger Zone. And I'm trying to find who it was. Um, lost it. Knew I should have copied that out. But yeah, it, and, and now when you think about it, like you can't think of Kenny Loggins without Danger Zone. Or Danger yeah. Zone without Kenny Loggins. Like He made that song his, but... and. 
this was 86. So this would have been a few years after he had done um, Caddyshack and I'm all right. So he was kind of your, your eighties go-to uh, in a way. This, this soundtrack and maybe the big chill. Ooh, good choice. Um, two great, great soundtracks of eighties music. Yeah. And he, I mean, I, I just like all of the music in this, except every breath you take, I can do without, but I think part of that was, I remember you talking about take my breath away or take my breath away. Not every breath yeah. you take. Good God. Um, take my breath away was, uh, I just remember it being played on the radio so much when I was a kid and I got sick That's of it. That's the song they used in, in the love scene that they kind of shoehorn in. Right. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I mean, it's okay. Which, you know, here's the funny thing. If they don't shoehorn in that scene, does that song ever become big, as big as it was? Oh, I doubt it. Because this was the highest grossing film of 1986, was this movie. So, you know, and that that song is prominent in the movie. I guess, didn't they play it? Uh, they might, it might not have, it probably wouldn't have been as popular as it became. Um, mm. Here's a funny thing. The budget for this movie was $15 million. They made $356 million. That's got to be adjusted for inflation. No, I don't think so. That's worldwide. That mo- This movie was gigantic when it came out. Jeez. Now, part of that was they got a lot of stuff. Uh, the Navy, I think, only charged them like just under $2 million for use of all the jets and everything. So they got a hell of a deal on that. And and fuel was cheap back then too. So they could they could take them up quite a bit. That's I mean that's uh that's good return. Definitely. For your for your money. Well, and the Navy saw like a 500% increase in um recruitment after this movie came out. So they got their money's worth too. Yeah. Um I wish I could find who else they had listed as was going to do Matthew Modine was actually uh turned down the role of Maverick. Wow. I bet you um, he regrets that one. Well he didn't like the the politics of the movie, which kind of fits with Matthew Modine. And if you oh. think about it, he had he did full metal jacket, which is very different when it in its view of the military. Um amazingly this is one of the few eighties action movies that doesn't say Arnold Schwarzenegger was up for the role of Maverick. So uh, but they did uh, Swayze, Emilio Estevez, Nick Cage, John Cusack, Matthew Broderick. I could have seen Swayze. Swayze I could see. Um, then a young Sean Penn I could have seen too. Not Michael J. Fox, though. Not Scott Bayo. I'm sorry. Not not at that point. See, listen, I'm not a big Scott Bayo fan, but I can kind of see him. I don't know if he could pull off role. the cocky part of it as well. I, I, it's not to say that he couldn't do it, but I in no, oh, maybe. I think he had it in him. Charles in charge. Like, you go back and think about Charles in charge. He had a level of cockiness in that. Mm, I mean, maybe. Um, Judas Priest was asked to contribute a song to the soundtrack, and they said no because they thought the movie was going to flop. Mm. Uh, two years later, they decided to do a cover of Johnny B. Good for the movie Johnny B. Good. And from the look on your face, I can tell you've never heard of that movie before because it flopped. No, I have. Uh, that look was kind of more Judas Priest said no. 
Anthony, to be good. I don't remember who was in that movie. But Anthony Michael Hall and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, that's a movie that sounds like, on the surface, it should have been a Top Gun-like movie. It's the poster of it has Anthony Michael Hall wearing a Letterman jacket holding a football. Oh, so, so it was supposed to be. The it's right like a football stuff. movie. Yeah, it's more of that than anything. Uma Thurman was in it. Weird. Oh, okay. Um. Apparently, Tom Cruise had never ridden a motorcycle before this movie, so he <laughs> he had to learn how to ride it, and then they put him on a Kawasaki Ninja. Um, yeah. Which and, I didn't know they've been making ninjas that long. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was the fastest production motorcycle at the time. And he, so the story goes that they wanted Tom Cruise from the beginning and he turned him down until Bruckheimer got him to, um, like scheduled him to go up with a, one of the blue angels. And he nearly, or he threw up and got done and then ran to a payphone and called Bruckheimer and was like, that was awesome. I want to do the movie. So fair enough. Yeah. I mean, he is an adrenaline junkie, right? You know, he does all yeah. his own stunts still. He rides which is... motorcycles in a lot of his movies. Yeah. I mean, he did. he's ridden a motorcycle, I feel like, in all of the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, probably. Ride I mean, guy repeat. He, uh, you know, he fought with a motorcycle in Mission Impossible 2. Did some motorcycle yeah. food. John Woo. Yeah. John Woo, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, the Blue Angels thing is cool because... I live in a place where the blue angels come uh, like every, almost every other year. And it's very rare that that happens. So it was kind of fun to read that in the trivia because I've seen the blue angels perform probably a dozen or more times. Um, the, the, yeah. So I can't find who else was, was up for the movie um, for the soundtrack. Oh, here we go. Oh, Found it. Okay. Kenny Loggins was not the first choice for the song Danger Zone. You tell me if you think either of these two bands would have worked. Toto or REO Speedwagon? Because I could maybe see Toto. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I could see Toto. But I definitely couldn't. I, I don't like REO Speedwagon, so maybe I'm a little biased there. I but. But they, you know, they did go with Kenny Loggins, and that was a good choice. And you know, it's probably the thing he's most known for at this point is uh, Danger Zone. But the, just the rest of the music was so good. I was playing it uh, before we got started, and you know, it's like that perfect like '80s music montage. Um, oh, he had he he also Kenny Loggins also did the um, song that plays over the volleyball scene, um, playing with the boys, which. Now, every time I watch that scene, um, so I used to do a sketch comedy show on our local public access, and we did a parody of that scene, uh, the, the beach volleyball scene with the four of us. You know, None of us are in shape whatsoever. My one friend uh, actually kept his sweater on while we did it and just poured baby oil onto his sweater. <laughs> like, so, so every time I watch this movie and I watch that scene, that's all I can think of is like just us. There was a lot of baby oil you there was. Yeah, those, that I mean, is... those guys were probably in the best shape of their life. Oh, definitely. Well, um, I mean, I'm kind of out of stuff to talk about about this movie. I really, I enjoy this movie. I, I, I've seen it, I don't know how many times now. You know, I still get broken up about Goose. Um, it's still, you know, it's still to me a fun one to watch no matter what. 
Um, it sounds like you enjoyed it too, which is great. I'm glad. I did. I I I, uh, I liked it. I liked it. I wish I, I I wish I would have seen it as a kid. Um, I think I would have enjoyed it even more having watched it like back in the day. But yeah, it's, it's it's a good flick. Like, well, you know, but, it's it's not trying to do too much. It basically no. knows that it's a recruitment video for the Navy, and you know, it's dogfighting. I mean, like I like I said early on, my only real complaints were kind of that shoehorned romance. Um, it, I think. Either they write the romance to feel more believable or they get an actress that has chemistry with the with the lead. And I think that's, you know, she complained that, that, you know, they didn't ask her to come back and do the new movie. And, um, you know, I, I wonder I wonder if they really didn't get along. Although I think if they hadn't gotten along, she would have understood why they didn't ask her back. But I wonder if just, you know, in in hindsight, they looked at it and was just like, "Y'all don't have any chemistry." Yeah, because they really didn't. I just never yeah, bought them. They, I mean, yeah, they. I really think they missed the ball with the chemistry between Meg Ryan and and yeah. Instead of using her on a part that didn't really need her, you know, they could have. They, I mean, they really could have made anyone play his will. Yeah, with as little as she's in the movie. I mean, right. And, you know, this movie can get away with uh, the creep factor of him following her into the bathroom after that first scene um, because it's 1986. Like, watching it now, it's like, ooh, ooh, yeah, this yeah. this feels a lot different now. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah, there are there there are lines in that movie you probably <laughs> couldn't get away with now no. and have the same effect that they had. No, they kind of they kind of are able to get uh, in under the wire a little bit with that. So, um, well, this was a ton of fun. Thank you for coming on this week. This was Thanks great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I you know, was, I'd, I'd love to come back if I find another movie that I. That I yeah, have. or you know, if you've got something you love, let me know because if I haven't seen it, I'll do that too. I I have no problem with being the one to to be the first one to see the movie. I like showing people a new movie. That's why I right. started doing this, and it's it's always great when they like it. So. Um, like last week uh, was the first time seeing Dread for uh, Drew, and he loved it. And I was oh the 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 new Dread. Yeah, so we actually did both uh, back to back. Okay. Two weeks ago was Judge Dread, and uh, last week was Dread. And boy, talk about two different movies. <laughs> yeah, they play they they played those characters entirely two different ways. Dread mm-hmm. is definitely the better version. Oh, by far of that character. No. But you know, again, I don't think you could have gotten away with doing dread back in the nineties. No, not the way that they did it. No, and they would have been better served to just not make a movie at that point, rather than do what they did with Stallone. But um, is this movie streaming someplace? Top Gun? Uh, I don't believe is, or if it is, I think it's available. Like, um, I looked it up last night because I I own it. Uh, I bought it yeah. many, many years ago. Um, it, you know, that's something else. It's a movie that I feel like would fit great in that TNT rotation of like old school movies that they just oh, yeah. show. Well, it, and that's what but I was saying at the beginning. Be. It's like this used to be on cable all the time, like, whether it was TNT think, like, or USA. Um, so the only streaming service it's on right now is Fubo TV. Um, 
which I don't know, but it is rentable on all the platforms and it is, you, you can yeah. pick it up everywhere. I ended up buying it, uh, not too long. I don't know. End of last year, we were talking about it and, uh, Alex's wife only had the, the DVD. And I was like, I'm too much of a snob. Like I wasn't going to watch it on DVD. So uh, I went and bought it on Vudu when it was on sale or something. Uh, but I have a feeling it's probably going to pop up somewhere soon with the with the oh, release yeah, of the yeah, sequel. The they'll they'll want to hype that up a bit. So excellent. Well, hey, uh, let people know where they can find you. Um, hey, so uh, every we try every week we do uh, an episode of Joystick House, uh, which we do live here on on Twitch. So every Monday. Uh, about eight o'clock, uh, maybe a couple minutes after, but we do that uh, weekly. Uh, and then uh, I'm Jay Dimes in all the places. So uh, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram is a little different. I had to put a underscore in between Jay and Dimes, but oh, somebody uh, squatted you on you. Me, so. Yeah, somebody got me. Oh, but uh, Joystick and Mouse, check it out. It is, it is a fun show. I try to catch yeah, it whenever I can. It's uh three dads who only have time for casual gaming uh, talking about the week's news and games and what we're playing. And for me, most of the time that just means division two. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's one I need to pick up. I played yeah, the first you know one and I enjoyed it, but I, I look for games that I can get my money's worth out of. And I'm the same way. I can always just sit down and play some division two. We are right. Well, that's excellent. Um, once again, well, thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on. This was this was a ton of fun. Uh, we do this show every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here, uh, twitch.tv forward slash TV's Travis. And then it comes out as a podcast a few days later. Um, the podcast you can get at tvstravis.com slash subscribe, or you can find us, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you do subscribe through something like Apple Podcasts, leave us a review because that helps us to be more noticeable. So. Um, but yeah, every, every week, uh, put it out 54 episodes. I, uh, I've missed one week so far since I started, uh, and that was my own fault. Um, so I've, I've done a pretty good job of, uh, keeping the cadence up next week. The movie is going to be actually talking about Michael Mann earlier, uh, heat. Um, oh, I think is the yes. movie that we're doing. And, um, I, I believe that's what movie. it is. And, uh, I'm going to have, um, Gerald from two peas on a podcast on, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then, if everything goes to plan, two weeks from now uh, will be Dogma, um, and I will have uh, Stephen and Ashley from Horseshoes and Hand Grenades on to talk about that one because neither one of them have ever seen that movie before. It's so such a good movie. Oh, it is. Uh, probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie, and I love Kevin Smith movies, but there's something about Dogma. Um, He's on my list of people to meet. Yes. Um, same. My sister used to live in Red Bank. Oh, nice. And so... I go to the secret stash whenever I go see her uh, and go check out the comic shop. That's awesome. Yeah. If, uh, when we were doing, um, America's next top podcaster, uh, if I had made it to the interview week, I don't think they ended up doing it this way uh, for season two, but if we had done uh, an interview where we had to book our own, he was going to be my home run swing. Cause he's the type of guy that if you get, a, if he's got time, you would do it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's just that type of dude. But, yeah, so that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. It should be, if I'm remembering correctly, Heat next week and then Dogma after that. Um, we're also talking about doing uh, UHF 
sometime Never soon. Seen that. Weird Al in his one movie that he made um, that uh, unfortunately came out the same summer as Batman 89. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that wasn't going to work a bad out. So role. Well. That's a bad role. Yeah, it is. Uh, so that's what's coming up. Um, but yeah, we do this uh, every week. So definitely when you get a chance, uh, come on back, check us out. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat room that was here this week. Um, There's a great kit and uh, Betty Grooves for Life was here. Took some time off of playing Doom Eternal to come watch us. That's great. Um, There's been a ton of fun. So thank you, Jay Dimes. We'll have you back. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Maybe in the next have time we'll get um, you, Alex, and Diddy on at the same time. Because I've had Alex and Diddy on. So uh, I just have to what get did, all three of you. What happened? Did he watch Princess Bride? Uh, which still boggles my mind. Like, it's another one. I was like, how do you just not accidentally see that movie at some point? Other than the one time I watched that, I have never bumped into that movie again. You live in a weird world, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I I own a lot of movies. I watch a lot of movies, but oh uh, well, one, that one hasn't popped. Yeah, well, until next week. Um, Try to stay indoors during all this coronavirus stuff. Um, enjoy your movies and be excellent to each other. Flying a cargo plane full of rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>